Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Hey guys, welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. Today's episode, I've got an open water specialist on by the name of Sam Shepard. And Sam's a friend of mine and I've known him for quite a few years. I grew up competing against him in some of the longer distance events. And there's two reasons why I wanted to get Sam on the show to uh, to interview him. And the first one is because he's such a good open water racer that uh, it, I wanted to see what's behind his mindset and his race strategies and some of the techniques and skills that he uses in his races because he's won dozens and dozens of open water races um, and he's just a, a ferocious competitor. So um, so listen out for some tips that um, that he gives about about getting out there and, and working hard in open water swims if you're a triathlete or you're an open water swimmer. And the second reason is because he features in the new open water video program um, that we've got in Swimprove. And Swimprove is our new online coaching community that's got hours of video of technique programs, open water programs. Uh, it's got workouts in there. And it's, it's basically the hub of what we're doing now. So swimprove.com, that's S-W-I-M-P-R-O-V-E swimprove.com so by the time you listen to this it should be open we've been putting it together for the last couple months now and it's a a good resource for triathletes and swimmers if you want to improve your swimming Um, so sam as i was saying sam features in those videos we've got a lot of above water underwater shots of him um, with his technique and um, some of the things he does in open water races from drafting to siding and we cover pretty much everything you need to know uh, to be a good open water swimmer so uh, you can head to swimproof.com and I've got a discount for podcast listeners. So if you'd like to get a discount on Swimproof, uh, simply enter the, the coupon code PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T. So enter PODCAST into the coupon code and that will give you a discount on Swimproof. So it's a, it's a special offer for podcast listeners. So here we go. Let's get straight into the interview with Sam Shepard. <laughs> Sam, thanks for joining me uh, on the call today. You're, uh, the reason I wanted to get you on the call was because you're probably one of the best open water competitors that I've, that I've seen race. You're a two-time winner of the Peter Pub, you, which is, has been the largest open water race in the world. Um, you recently got second uh, by, by a tiny bit in the latest surf nationals here in Australia. And you also competed in the Australian National Open Water Championships and just missed out on the the medals this time but um your, your open water swimming is going really well and um you've also featured in um, the latest videos that we've put together for swimproof.com and uh and i just uh thought i'd get you on the the line today just to get your take on uh on ra- some racing strategies drafting uh wetsuits um some some training strategies and things like that so thanks very much for being on the call yeah um thanks for all that yeah i've had a pretty good first half of the year and it's all been going to plan and obviously I'm um, doing those videos for you for um swim prove um hopefully help show a lot of um your athletes and everyone who uses it um how to draft and get the most out of swimming in the ocean yeah and you've just come back from uh an Australian open water training camp haven't you um yeah well I was up the golf last week with um a lot of the other top open water swimmers throughout Australia um, for five and ten k, and it's just a training week. Um, did about seventy k, and um, just worked on drafting and just all open water tactics and how to make it easiest for you, where to draft on people, 
and also when to try to make your break and um, when to also feed and take in fluids. But obviously that's talking about 10K races and 5K, but same principle can also be put into obviously 1,500-metre races and even just 1,000, obviously, if you're doing your Ironman sort of stuff, your 3.8K races. I, th- I think most of the people listening to this are probably doing the the 1.2k races uh, up to the 3.8k races for the Ironman swim. So, what are your race strategies for the say the 1.2k's and up to 3.8k races? Well, obviously, um, there's a big difference because obviously with your shorter races of that 1500 mark, really depends. If you think you're a g- if you're a good swimmer, you can often lead from the front. But then if you've obviously got a bike leg coming up and run leg, there's probably not much point. You just want to really try to see That also goes by the same thing. If you're not quite as good swimmer, you really want to make sure you can draft off someone maybe easier and say if 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 they're going, say, 107 pace in effort, you're probably going about 110 pace in effort. That's the kind of difference how much drafting can make. And obviously that's going to even make a bigger difference when you're doing the three-point 8k races for your um, Ironmans because obviously if you can save much energy throughout that race you've got more for your bike and run legs or obviously you've got more for your sprint finish if it's just a swim race. So when you when you're going about those races is your plan to just get out in front and try and lead it or you like to hang back a bit and just draft off the um, off the guys in front? Well it really depends who I'm racing obviously in a 5 and 10k race or if it's a three point. 8k race or around there I'll probably draft off people and try to pick my line and really sprint towards the end but if it's a 1500 meter race I'll probably just try leading from the front because obviously it's a bit of a sprint but also when you lead from the, when I lead from the front you really want to make sure you got your sighting worked out and everything so that you don't swim off course and end out um losing all that effort that you've put in but yeah they're both my race strategies for those races and they've seemed to pay off over time for me. And when you're in a, a bigger pack, uh, say you're going towards a turn, where do you like to position yourself in the pack? Well, obviously, when you're going up towards a turn, like I'll start thinking about it maybe 200 meters prior with my positioning. Obviously, if you're in the middle of, the, if you're towards the um, closer side of the buoy, like, and there's no way, you just kind of dive underneath the buoy and pull yourself around the rope, then pop up the other side. Or if you're on the outside, obviously you're not going to get hit. You can try to push everyone in and squish them up, but you can often end out swimming nicely around the buoy without too much difficulty. But then obviously if you're ahead um, and you're by yourself, you can pretty much do whatever and swim around. Or you can probably need to show there's a new video I learnt or there's a new technique I learnt up at the recent nationals on how to um, turn buoys. Kerry Ann Payne actually used it. She's um, the world 10K open water champion. She does kind of this backstroke turn thing that then puts her straight in a right angle to keep on swimming. But, yeah, there's heaps of different strategies, but they're the ones I mainly use. So you like to stick to the inside when you're going into a turn if you're with a pack. Is that, is that where you position yourself? Yeah, that's mainly where I position myself and make sure I duck underneath the buoy. You can often grab the buoy's um, ropes going underneath and pull yourself around and make sure you pop up quick and fast and sprint off again. And when you're in a, a bigger pack and you're, just, you're swimming in a straight line, do you like to stay in the middle of the pack or you like to stay somewhere on the outside where you can either make a break or just not get caught behind? I preferably want to stay on the sides and probably draft off someone's hip. That's where I'd most likely be because it means you're not going to be stuck in the middle of the pack. 
but also it just gives you a little more leeway and like obviously sometimes when I'm in the middle of the pack, I don't know, I get a bit frustrated or I don't know if you put it maybe a bit claustrophobic with people around you. But that's probably one thing I really need to work on is swimming in the middle of the pack and not getting frustrated. But I'll also plan to be in, say, the top mix of, say, 10 people throughout the race, being no further behind than that. And, and with your sighting, what are, um, what are the main things you, you focus on when you're, you're sighting for boys or sighting for the finish? Well, um, with sighting, obviously, you want to walk over the course and see if there's any, like, trees or houses or any, like, big object, say, sitting behind the boys or something, or if you can see that there's like a rock wall or some sort of groin that you're swimming along so you can just keep parallel to that so you know you can swim straight. But obviously, you don't want to look up too much, but um, in saying that, you do want to look up enough so you're confident that you're swimming straight and not just put your head down and sprint and realise that you're swimming off in the other direction. But probably the main thing, just make sure you know if there's any objects behind where you're trying to finish or aim towards the finish line or towards boys. And before a race, do you, do you look for any sweep um, in, in the ocean? Do you sort of judge it and, and change your, your run in or um, you, you sort of um, where you're aiming for based on the sweep? Yeah, well, obviously with um, currents in oceans, they, obviously if you're racing in a lake, you're not going to have that problem. But if I'm running into the ocean and I know there's a sweep going from left to right, I will change in where I run to. And also say if you're coming in from the ocean, I don't really worry about if I'm getting swept way down past the uh, finishing line. I'm not really going to try to fight it because I can just get towards the beach and I can run that extra 50 metres. Obviously, that's going to be quicker than if you're trying to fight the current finish exactly on the line mm. and uh and before before a race do you tend to judge the depth uh, go into the water and and judge the depth and and get a feel for it or, or do you just sort of wait until you get into the race to find that out no i'll always uh try to judge the depth before a race like obviously if you're running out on a beach or um running in on a beach like you can either judge it by um like say if you can see some people like standing in the water, you can go with their knee depth. Or And obviously you just want to walk out where you're running out if there's any potholes. It's the last thing you want to do before like a triathlon or an ocean swim is you stumble and roll your ankle in a pothole running out. But or then also coming in, a safe option is to make sure you don't stand up too early. Is just keep on swimming till your hands touch the sand is nice and good quick principle to go by. Mm, so hands touch the sand, that's when it's time to stand up. Yeah, you can often never get wrong with that, and you, it's pretty, it's pretty genuine. It's like it's, I would say it's probably one of the quickest. If you get up too early, you're just going to be too deep in the water, and someone's you've lost all that speed. And yeah, but always make sure you know if there's any potholes or anything, because yeah, you just don't want to roll your ankle or, or do something like that. Mm. And uh, and with your training, what what are sort of the main uh, main types of training that you do for open water races? Well, um, I'll obviously, with open water races regarding on any distance, you obviously want to be fit, but you want to have that kind of speed throughout it. So um, I'll obviously be hitting up around 70Ks in the week, but then in saying that, I'll also be doing a lot of sprint training, getting high lactates, and also like, so I'll be doing a lot of 800s, 400s, but also doing like 100s, say one easy, one hard for say about 30 reps on say 140 uh, two-minute cycle. Yeah, so you're, you, even though you're doing 
a fair bit of distance, you're still doing sprint in training because um, that's probably one of the things that I see some triathletes, um, they, they get it wrong is they just put in the distance, they might knock out 3K straight um, without any speed there. But if you, wanna, if you need to make a break for the, um, for the pack or for the finish, then you, you still got to have that speed there. Yeah, you, you really want to have that speed there because obviously if your speed is a lot higher than what the pack is going, you can just um, go that much easier throughout the pack. So you might only be going, say, 50% of your max speed, which just makes it a lot easier for you. So obviously doing those fast, high lactate 50s is just as beneficial as doing, say, just 3K straight of freestyle. But obviously before all my training sessions, in my warm-up, I'll be doing lots of drills which um, I showed in Swim Prove, and just really working on um, holding my core throughout the water and making sure I got good feel of the water before I'll start a big, say, aerobic or lactate or sprint set. Yeah, and that's, I got an email from someone the other day who, who mentioned that they were doing, uh, they were doing some drills um, that, I, that I showed to them before each of their sessions, and now they've, their times have dropped something like 50 seconds for their um, their 400 freestyle just because they're doing drills and activating the right technique before their sessions. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously that's a big like important. It's just as important as say just busting out big Ks or sprinting. You want to get those drills right. You want to make sure you've got those high hips before you start your main set. But also like you want to make sure you're flexible because obviously you can those drills. Some of those drills can be quite hard if you're not flexible and you're not and not loose in the shoulders and that's what I find if I've had a big set or like say a 10k session next morning like when I'm doing the drills I might have tightened up so like you obviously want to make sure that you keep on trying to be loose because if I'm not loose I can't really get my stroke and then the whole session isn't quite going to be as well. Do you tend to stretch before or after the session? Um, I'll just stretch afterwards I'll just do activation and your thoroughband work and I'll do most of my stretching just after the session um, half in the showers because I train in an outdoor pool and it gets a bit cold afterwards. So I'll be just doing your lat stretches afterwards. Then I'll also do some stretches later at home when my muscles are still warmed up and just making sure they're not tightening up for the next session in the morning. Mm. And we uh, in Swim Proof, we show a couple of um, balance drills. So where where you're trying not to rotate more to one side and you're, you're trying to keep your stroke fairly even what's the um can you explain the the reasoning behind that yeah well um that's actually a problem with me that i've got with my stroke because i breathe to the left uh when i'm swimming freestyle i drop my left hip which then just creates so much more drag with the water hitting it so that's one thing that i've been trying to work on is just keeping that right hip up when i breathe to the left and been doing that i've been doing the kickboard drill with the kickboard between my legs making sure it doesn't wobble too much and also just working on core strength um, like Pilates and those sort of exercises outside the pool because it especially affects me when I'm, when I'm really fatigued at the end of an open water race. My hips might just drop out so much and even though I'm putting in more effort, my stroke's just gone in my hips and I won't really be going any faster. So you find in the longer distance races, the, it's your hips that go first, like your hip yeah, flexors? I'll, yeah, I'll definitely find my hip flexors go first. And just all through the bottom half of my stroke, like my hips each time I breathe will just sway to the side, which doesn't look that pretty. But um, yeah, I just end up spinning the arms and trying to get there as quick as I can. Within hindsight, I should really just work on holding my core really tight and still and keeping my 
bum right up high in the water as I sprint towards the finish line. And in a say a long distance set or in a in a race, do you, with your kick, are you continuously kicking, or you, do you back off the kick and just work with your arms for part of the race until you need to sprint home? Well, um, I'll often stay with my legs, but in saying that, I'll still want say a little two beat kick or something. I don't want really a six beat kick; that'll be towards the end. But a two beat kick, just to make sure I keep my hips high up in the water, and um, obviously just works with my timing, with my stroke, and also just a little propulsion through the water. But nothing really that major until towards the end, where I might want a bit of speed. But in saying that, if a break or someone picks up it in the race, means that I can just pick up my kick a bit to improve my speed without really um, picking up my arm arm speed or anything. So that's a really good handy um, thing to have throughout races, a good strong kick. Do you do much kick in training? Um, yeah, I do a fair bit of kick, often about two big kick sets a week, um, varied in like fit some fitness work but also some really fast 50s on like say, two minutes just maxing out but also making sure when I do kick, also, just constantly, either I'll either do it with a board or a snorkel in a streamline, but just making sure that I hold that core still and kick from the core and not like wobble the shoulders. You can often notice that if you're holding a kickboard, if you see your shoulders or arms moving a bit too much, you need to just tighten up that core while you kick. Mm. And that's um, that's one thing I've been working on with my guys a bit is to got to squeeze the your glutes a bit to sort of push those hips to tilt them back and push them forward and, and keep that core locked on because if you're bending at the hips and you can't really get the power driven from your glutes all the way down. Yeah, and that's also a thing that I've had in the past. Just you, You're not using your glutes enough and you're just bending your knees too much. But you just want to hold that hold that bum tight, hold that core tight and make sure that like you're not bending your knees too much and making sure it's not just making too much of a splash, you're actually kicking under the water as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and the same uh, goes with ankle flexibility as well. Uh, particularly triathletes, they can be a bit stiff in the ankles from the running and cycling. So even just a few ankle stretches can, you know, say you're doing once a minute before you get into each session, that's going to help you, you kick immensely. Yeah, well, obviously um, ankles, that also comes down to just a bit of natural flexibility in your ankles. But everyone can improve it. Like everyone's at different levels. But um, I'll just sit on um, with my sit on my um, ankles and make sure I bend them back a bit, say, minute or even just watching TV. Um, but obviously, ankles are pretty hard to stretch. But, um, yeah, if you can get that one or two mil extra in your ankles, that's going to give you so much more propulsion through the water. Yeah, definitely. Um, and and wetsuits, do you you wear a, a wetsuit with sleeves? Do you um, Have you ever worn sleeveless? And what's your what's your sort of take on sleeveless versus sleeves? Well, um, yeah, well, I've actually just changed to wearing a sleeveless, but I've worn a, um, sleeves for like the past three or four years. Well, um, now I wear sleeveless and I just find coming from a pool swimming background, it's a lot easier on the shoulders. I can get my rate up through the water. And obviously, if you're a triathlete, you can get them off really quickly. You don't have those arms. But obviously, with a full sleeve wetsuit, um, the advantages in that, obviously, if you're not quite as good swimmer, it's going to give you a little bit more buoyancy throughout the arms but also just keep you a bit warmer and, um, yeah, really just depends with um, uh, what sort of person you are, if you want sleeveless or long sleeve, but um, they're pretty much the same, but it's just down to preference. Yeah, it's a more personal choice. Yeah, and that's what I've 
I've got both wetsuits and I might still wear the long sleeve, but at the moment I'm wearing the sleeveless and I'm pretty happy with that, how it's going. But with a sleeveless, you've also got to make sure it's fitting quite perfectly because a lot easier to get water down a sleeveless just going down underneath the armpits compared to a long sleeve, which you know is not really going to let much water in, which is, I suppose, an advantage with that. And, uh, and in Swimproof, um, we, oh, we take people through how to put on a, a wetsuit properly. And, and one of the most important things, I think, is how, if you're wearing a, a wetsuit with sleeves, is just how, um, how far you, you pull them up. So do you want to just talk them through how you, you know, make sure that you've got the sleeves yeah. in the right position? Yeah, well, obviously, um, with a long sleeve wetsuit, you like to have a lot of, um, of that rubber up around your shoulders. So you want to make sure that you've got it pulled up really high, tight, so you haven't got any excess rubber down near your legs and that you pull it all the way up through, through up past your chest and just make sure that it's all bulked up around your shoulders. Then swing your arms a bit. Then if you want even a bit more around your shoulders, you can pull your sleeves up a little bit and that'll also help with um, having the rubber tight around your wrists um, and not letting any water up there. But, yeah, obviously just make sure that it's pulled up um, through your legs and up high in your groin, give you as much... Um, rubber up near the shoulders and and one final thing is just with your uh your technique what do you um do you prefer to have a higher rate um but not pulling as strong or do you prefer to keep your stroke count low um but have a more powerful pull when you're doing say 1.5k race um in a 1.5k race probably want to keep my rate up high and maybe slip a bit through the water but then obviously if i want to get a bit more speed, I'll um, increase the power of my stroke and make sure I'm getting good distance per stroke. But obviously distance per stroke is the main thing, but I'll definitely try to get the rate up and um, just keep the arms spinning and keep the legs going with, say, a two-beat kick just to make sure they're not just dragging and um, slowing me down. But that's just me preference. Some people um, might prefer having a long and strong stroke. But um, I just prefer to rate. Obviously, it's still a good stroke. But, um, yeah, I've still got a lot of things to work on with that. So I'm definitely not perfect. Just goes by preference. And we, we, one of the things we were talking about when we were filming for Swimprove was um, was that that balance between distance per stroke and the amount of effort that you're using to pull through. Because if you're doing a longer race, if you're really stretching out and you've got to put a lot of pressure on your shoulder to to pull through then your, your shoulders are going to get tied a lot more quicker so it's just a matter of finding the balance between um, your stroke rate and your, your distance per stroke and, and how much um, strength you're pulling through with yeah exactly like if you're um, trying to go just putting heaps of power into your stroke it is going to put more pressure on your shoulders but it's also possibly going to um, put some lactate into your body compared to if you just get the rate up it's like um, riding a bike like it's easy to go up a hill in a low gear, but once you try to put the gear up into a high gear, it just, um, yeah, you can't really get up the hill quite as easy. It's the same principle and, yeah, you just want to get that rate going up high if it's a long race. Not too high, but, yeah, just not putting quite as much power in. Yeah, that's a, that's a good tip. Well, thanks very much for um, for giving us the those tips and, um, giving us a better idea of some things that can be used to swim faster open water swims um, for the open water guys and the, and the triathletes. And, um, and you're, you're now training for the, your main aim is the Pan Packs in 2014 or 2015? Yeah. Um, 20, 
14. Well, at the moment, um, having a bit of time off, not that I'm having a couple of months off traveling around Europe, going and watching um, some friends race at the Olympics. But um, then I'm going to get back into swimming, hopefully really work on my stroke and lead towards um, 10K open water trials in 2015. Whether I make it or not, that's not my name. It's just knowing that I've just given it as big a shot I've given it and that I'll be happy with whatever result comes my way. Awesome. Well, well best of luck for it. And, um, and I no doubt you'll give it a, a red-hot go and you'll, um, you'll be right up there. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos, and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com.